And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men. The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I gotta kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl, my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. Hello everyone, I'm Carl Amari and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time it's a newspaper drama on Big Town starring Edward Pauly from 1948. Then Gracie wants George to be more romantic and court her all over again on the Burns and Allen show from 1949. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. What's up? I have laryngitis. I That's what's up. I noticed that. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all your fault. You'll stop talking so much. We'll have a good show. Don't I was worry. yelling and screaming at my baseball game, and, and this, is, this is what happened. Oh, that'll teach you. You know, when they uh, play me left out, that's what I do. I get very angry. I, I could imagine. You know, wasting all this talent over here. Absolutely. Well, well, we'll get you next week. All right. Time for Big Town. This stars Edward Pauly. This is called The Final Payment from September 21st, 1948. Here's Big Town. Life Boy Health Soap presents Big Town. Extra, extra, hero all about the final payment. Steve Wilson's headline story, brought to you by Life Boy Health Soap, the soap that gets skin cleaner in your daily bath. Extra, extra. Yes, Life Boy Health Soap presents Big Town, the headline stories of a great city, dramatically reported by Steve Wilson, fighting managing editor, whose creed, as with all great newsmen, is emblazoned on the masthead of the Illustrated Press. The power and the freedom of the press is a flaming sword. But it may be a servant of all the people. Use it justly, hold it high, and guard it well. Now, Big Town and tonight's story of a vicious racket of modern ghouls trading on tragedy and sorrow. The final payment. No sensational headline yarn for Steve Wilson and his illustrated press. This story of a vicious, widespread, but little publicized racket began in a cheap rooming house headquarters of Malcolm Todd and his embittered, red-headed accomplice, Ginger. Began one evening not long ago. Well, so you got back, Ginger. Congratulations. Lay off the sarcasm, Mel. I've covered every pawn shop in this section of Big Town and my feet hurt. How many watches did you get? About a dozen, but I had to pay five bucks for some of them. Okay, okay. We'll still make a slick profit once I get the initials of today's crop of deadens cut on the back. Look, Mel, I'm getting sick of this peanut racket. Rookin' the relatives of a lot of dopes that ain't even been buried yet. I told you, it's just till we get a stake, get organized, and go big time. Line up a mob, work with a real racket. Yeah, that's what you said in Chicago six months ago. But things got hot, and we had to beat it. And the same thing happened in Cleveland. Well, it ain't gonna happen in Big Town. 
We're going to make a killing as soon as we can line up with a real racket. So why don't we get right into some racket that pays off in something more than three squares and bus fare to the next town when the local flats start breathing down our I heads. keep telling you, Ginger, it's only till we can hook up with some local mob that's got connections and protection. Now quit beefing and pack up them watches. Yeah, sure. We got to catch the widows and relatives and collect for the handsomely initialed watches. Well, I'm sick of it. Fed up. Oh, shut up and get to work. That kind of attitude ain't going to get you diamonds and mink coats. At the rate we're going, I'll end up with one of these two-buck watches. What? I'm sick of you and your schemes. I'm fed up. Don't start throwing things, baby. Listen to me. Matt, you hurt my arm. Let go. I'm pulling out. Oh, no, you're not. Hold still, baby. Listen. They held my throat. Let go. Shut up and listen. I want to show you something. Something you don't ever want to forget. Matt, what are you doing with that gun? You promised you'd quit carrying a gun after what happened in L.A., that cop. Forget that cop. You're liable to find out if you try pulling out on me. I was only kidding, Mel, honest. Don't ever try it, baby. Mel, let go my throat. I won't. All right. Don't ever try to pull out and cross me up with another guy or I'll blast you both. I won't, Mel. I won't. Well, good. Now go wash the mascara off your face and go out and get the early edition of the Illustrated Press. The Illustrated Press? Yeah, it's a top sheet in this town. They have the best of... Best obituary column, the best list of suckers. Now get going, honey. The dead don't like to be kept waiting. Hello, Steve. You got a minute to spare? Hello, Lala. It could be. What's furrowing your lovely brow this beautiful afternoon? I think I've dug up the meanest racket in the world. Well, which one? There are several running neck and neck for that title. Ever hear of poor box looters and those who steal pennies off the eyes of the dead? Oh, yes. Among others. Well, this racket puts those human benefactors in the shade. Okay, let's have it, Lorelai. There are a couple of modern grave robbers working a post-mortem delivery of junky watches on the relatives of people who have just died. Oh, uh -uh, the old obituary racket. Right. They get their list of prospects from the obituary columns of the newspapers. Yes, Lorelei. In one form or another, it's been going on for years. The crooks deliver cars, jewelry, portraits, usually worthless junk. They claim the deceased member of the family ordered before he died. This time, it's cheap watches with initials carved on the backs. Price, $20 in the case I ran into. How'd you pick up the lead? Police headquarters? No, I was over in the factory district getting the story in a man who was killed in a hit-and-run accident. The man's wife told me the story and showed me the watch. Had she reported the matter to the police? No, she said she was sure her husband never ordered the watch, but the man who delivered it threatened to sue, so she gave him the money. Yes, they generally pay without question or protest. Oh, Steve, it was awful the way she sat holding that cheap watch, her fingers touching the initials cut in the back. Knowing she'd been cheated, feeling so helpless, and yet accepting it as part of the greater tragedy that had come to her. Well, these petty crooks know it's easy to work their dirty racket on the people in the depths of misery and despair. And because they don't rate front-page headlines, nobody bothers, nobody cares to read about it. You're wrong, Laurel. I millions suffer from the petty rackets. The very ones who can least afford to lose the little they have. Besides, this type of filthy gyp. Is a training school for the big-time rackets. Is there anything we can do about this one, Steve? Yes, did you uh, get any lead? A good description of the man who delivered the watch? No. The poor woman was so upset she couldn't recall what he looked like. She thought he was tall and dark-complexioned. Well, I'm afraid that's no help. It'd be like looking for a needle in a haystack, even if we followed up on every obituary notice in the press. Yes, that's the... Hold it, Laura Lai, you've given me an idea. How would you like to be a widow? Hey, not so fast, Steve. You might at least find me a suitable husband before you make me a widow. Well, for this job, we can skip the formality. Here, find yourself a furnished apartment in the want-ad section. Say, what have I talked myself into? A handsomely initialed watch. Ordered by your late husband, I hope. Oh, 
Oh, light begins to dawn. I'm the come on. Yes, pick a moderate price furnished apartment in the factory district and get over there and rent it before it's taken. Well, here's one at 20 Pine Street. I'll pick a name while I lie. Smith? Brown? Jones? Well, I'll take Jones. Lorelei Jones. Yeah, Mac the Orbit. Hello, Mac. Steve Wilson. Oh, Mr. Wilson, what can I do for you? I want you to insert a death notice, Mac. Okay, Mr. Wilson, sorry. Friend or relative of yours? No, an imaginary character called Jones. Henry Jones, Mac. We're baiting a trap for a modern grave digger. Oh, I catch Henry Jones. Survived by his wife, Lorelei Jones. Lorelei? You mean our Lorelei? Check. It's all very sudden, Mac. Anything else? Have the notice set up, but hold it until Lorelei's rented an apartment and phones in the address. It's as good as done, Mr. Wilson. Thanks, Mac. Do I dress the part, Steve? No, you'll do as you are, but hide that 20-buck hat. On my salary? Oh, I made it myself. I'll hide it anyway, and on your way to your new address, you better stop at your place and pack an overnight bag, Lorelei. Okay. And when you get a flat, phone Mac the obit and give him the address. Right. Well, how long do you think it'll be before this slimy character appears? Well, if he sees the obit and takes the bait at all, he'll show up sometime tomorrow morning. What do I do, call for the law? No, Lorelei, these rats can be as mean and vicious as their racket. Just tell him you want whatever your late husband ordered... But you're having the money, mm-hmm. say you'll have to get it from your brother and ask him to come back in an hour. Then what? Well, then phone me here at the office and I'll be right over. Okay, brother. Right. And I'll be there when he comes back. Can I kick him just once when you grab him, Nothing too? doing, Lorelei. Like four-legged rats, the obit operators seldom hunt their victims alone. We want all of them before we spring the trap. Thus, Steve Wilson, fighting editor and champion of the helpless and the victimized has set a trap for the vicious racketeers preying upon the poor and distressed. Learning that an obituary racket is being worked in Big Town, Steve has set a trap by having Lorelei Kilburn rent a furnished flat and pose as the widow of a worker whose fictitious death was announced in the obituary columns of the Illustrated Press. Now, the following day, we find Lorelei in an apartment on Pine Street, phoning Steve as she waits for the racketeers to come and take the bait. Hello. Hello, Illustrated Press. Steve Wilson, please. Lorelai Kilburn calling. Hello, Steve Wilson. Oh, hello, Steve. It's Lorelai. Well, that chisel showing up yet? No, and it's three o'clock. The death notice has been out almost 24 hours. I'm afraid we've drawn a blank. Well, stick it a few more hours, Lorelai. It takes these racketeers time to mark initials on their junk, and they may have other deliveries to make. All right, Steve, but I'd hate to spend another night in this place. Well, what's the matter, my lovely? Rats. Four-legged. Say, where are you phoning from? The hall? No, the apartment. The former occupant had a phone and it hasn't been disconnected. Well, that's a break. Call me back if and after our man shows. All right, I will. And incidentally, don't you trust me, Steve? What do you mean, Lorelai? There's been a man sitting on a stool in a bar and grill across the street watching this house all day. Uh, probably a barfly student of human nature. Mm-hmm. His name couldn't be Harry the Hack, unofficial chauffeur and bodyguard of the Illustrated Press staff, oh, could it, Steve? Oh, oh, thanks, Steve, but hold it. I've got to call her. Okay, hang up. Go in your act and make it good. If it's the man we're after, do just as I told you, and don't write yourself an obituary. Right, Steve, I'll play it straight, and I'll call you back as soon as he leaves. Yes. Yes, just a moment, please. Who is it? Package for Mr. Henry Jones. Oh, a package? Just a minute, please. Good afternoon. Mr. Jones in? Oh, Henry... My husband died only yesterday. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, ma'am. Yes, it, it was very sudden. Well, maybe that's the best way to go, ma'am, but uh, now about this package. Oh, yes, you said you had a package for Henry. 
I'll take it. Fine. I guess you'll want it to remember him by. The watch he ordered. A watch? Yeah. We'd have been able to deliver it sooner, but he wanted his initials on it. There's a COD charge for $20. $20? Yeah, 20 But Henry didn't tell me anything about ordering a watch. Maybe he was going to surprise you. Well, maybe, but could I see it? Sure. Here you are. But I can't leave it without the 20 bucks, lady. Oh, I, I understand. It doesn't look like a very good watch. I don't know anything about that, lady. All I know is your husband ordered it. I had us put his initials on it. And that spoils it for anybody else. So we have to collect the $20. But I don't have $20 in the house. You see, there have been so many expenses. How soon can you get it? Well, I'm expecting my brother. I guess I could get it from him. Uh, could you come back in an hour? I don't know. I've got a couple of more deliveries to make. Well, could I come to your shop and pick it up this evening? No, no. I'll be back in an hour. If I can't make it, I'll send one of my assistants. All right. You come back and I'll have the money ready for you. Good. You do that, and we won't have to turn the matter over to our collection agency. So long, Mrs. Jones. See you later. I'll say you will, you scum of the earth. Lalalai. Lalalai. Steve, come in. What kept you? It's almost time for that human leech to come back. Oh, I stopped across the street to tell Harry to be in his hack and ready to roll. Oh, good. How are we going to handle this big rat when he shows? Well, just how big is he? Yeah, he can spot you four inches and 20 pounds, but I'm not sure he'll be back in person. Well, I hope you didn't scare him off. He isn't the type that scares easy when there's cash in prospect, but I think he may send an assistant. No, it doesn't matter. The assistant will lead us to their headquarters, Lana. Well, what will I say this time? Now, when the bell rings, you're going to be grief-stricken. I'll handle this. Okay, Brother Steve, the pleasure is all yours. Last time it made me sick to my stomach listening to that leech pull his rotten teeth. Okay, Lauren, I'm going to the other room and leave this to me. I'm going to try and act of my own. Well, restrain your impulse to smash his face. I'll try to do that, Lauren. Oh, good afternoon. Well, hello, Red. Well, hello, big boy. Oh, sorry, I'm afraid you have the wrong apartment, sister. I don't think so. Mrs. Henry Jones lives here, don't she? Why, uh, yes. You must be the brother she was going to borrow 20 bucks from that left the COD on this watch her husband ordered before he died. Oh, yes. I got the money for you. Right here. Thanks. Hope you don't mind if I count it, handsome. Not at all. But I want to have a talk with you, Red. What about? About your boss. How come? I might have something that would uh, interest him. Oh, yeah? Just a minute, my boss don't like to get shortchanged. Oh, smart boss. Mm, nice fresh bills right out of the mint. That's right. Now, if you give me the watch, I'll give it to my sister. She's lying down. It's been pretty much of a shock. Yeah. She's lucky having a smooth guy like you around. Must be quite a comfort. Oh, thanks for the compliment, but uh, what happened to your boss? I thought he was coming back. He had some deliveries to make across town. And am I glad. You wouldn't be going my way, would you? Could be, Red. Well, I gotta talk to my sister first. I've been waiting for me downstairs. I got a better idea. I'll wait for you in the bar and grill across the street. Uh, the name's Ginger. Okay, Ginger. See you in a few minutes. Don't keep me waiting, brother. Don't worry. I won't. Well, handsome, you certainly did all right on short notice. Now, don't jump to conclusions, my lovely. You don't have to jump at those kinds of conclusions. They just run you down. Okay, okay, but this changes our plan of action, Marlon. Obviously. What assignment have you thought of to get rid of me? Now, don't tell me you're jealous. Don't flatter yourself, brother. 
Oh, Casey, Steve, seriously, what was the purpose in that quick play-up to that curvaceous cutie with a four-alarm tress? I think I can persuade her to lead me right to her boss, Laura. What do I do while she's doing that? I want you to get out of here, get in Harry's hack, and follow us wherever we go when we leave that bar and grill. So far, easy. And when I give you the high sign, I want you to go to the nearest police station and tell them what's up. And invite them to a handcuff party? Yes, on the double. <laughs> Say, you're okay, big boy. What's your name? Steve. Steve Wilson. What's your racket, Steve? I haven't a racket of my own, Ginger. Ah, don't give me that, Steve. You got dough and you got brains, so you gotta have a racket. Oh, I work for a big organization. Oh, I get it. A big-time mob. Well, I wouldn't care to have it called a mob. But what about this boyfriend of yours? He ain't my boyfriend. I've just been stringing along, getting nothing but promises. And from where I sit, it looks like he ain't never going to get nowhere. Yeah, there ain't much future in selling junky watches, even if he puts initials on two-buck tickers and CODs them for 20 bucks. Hey, you're wise to the racket. Oh, sure. I cut my IT, though. Well, then how come you give me the 20 bucks without a squawk? Because I want to meet your boss. What for? Well, maybe I'll put him in line for something big. How do I know you're on the level? I'm not on the level. Now, how about taking me to meet your boss? He'd beat my ears off if I brought you to the joint where using his headquarters while we're working big time. I thought you said he wasn't your boyfriend. He ain't, but he's crazy jealous. And if he thought I was interested in another fellow, there's no telling what he's liable oh, to do. Oh, okay. There's nothing to keep me from following you home. Is <laughs> you look like you could take care of yourself. But if you do, you better watch out for Mal. What last name is he using this season? Mal Todd, and you watch out. He carries a rod in his suitcase, and I happen to know he's used it more than once. Oh, thanks for the tip, Ginger. I think Todd will listen to my proposition. He wants to tie up with some local mob that's got organization and protection. Maybe he'll listen. But, uh, you got a rod just in case he won't. I never carry a gun. Gee, then you are a big shot, Steve. Where's your bodyguard? Outside. That taxi parked down the street. Gee, fancy me bumping into a guy like you. Am I lucky? Well, on the other hand, I might be a plainclothes cop. Nah, you ain't the type. Okay, well, now that we understand each other, suppose you finish your drink and go to Todd's place. Okay. And you're going to trail along? Like your shadow. Okay. And Steve. Yeah, Ginger? In case you should find Mal Todd don't want to play along with you, it won't break my heart if you have to rub him out. Yeah? That you, Ginger? Yeah, Mal. Let me in quick. What's lathering you? Close the door. Lock it. Okay. It's locked. What's the matter? What kept you? A guy's following. Guys are always following you. It's the brother of the dame we hooked. That Mrs. Jones? Yeah. So what? Did you get the 20 bucks? Yeah, he gave it to me. Okay, hand it over. Can't I keep a fiver? I'll give you a couple bucks tomorrow. What about this guy? Did he squawk? No. He bought me a drink and tried to get the lowdown on you. On me? Copper, maybe. No, I can whip a cop a mile. Talks like he's got some kind of racket. Wants to talk to you. Ah, uh, what about? I don't know. He wouldn't tell me. Listen, you two-timing little twist, if this is a double cross. Uh, man, you're hurting my arm. Sometimes I think I ought to break your neck. What'd you tell this local wiseacre? Nothing, Mel, honest. And I tried to shake him, but I couldn't. He followed me all the way here. Oh, I did, did he? Okay, if he wants to talk, we'll see what he's got to say. Man, you hadn't ought to carry that gun on you. Real big shots hardly ever carry guns. This is one of them hardly ever times, sugar puss. Mel. Huh? I think he's out in the hall. 
Okay, let's see what he wants. Good evening, brother. Hello, Todd. You mind if I come in? No. Come in. Come on in, wise guy. And we'll make you feel right at home. Thus, Steve Wilson, in an effort to trap two vicious crooks working an obituary racket in Big Town, has walked into their hideout while Lorelei goes to summon the police. That's the first portion of Big Town. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to Big Town. Posing as a local racketeer, Steve Wilson has followed the woman accomplice of a petty crook to their hideout. But double-crossed by the girl, Steve is admitted at the point of a gun. Come on in, fella. I've been hearing about you. Thanks. I uh, hope I'm not interrupting anything unimportant. And put away that gun. Never mind the gun. Don't forget I got it, smart guy. Sit down. Make yourself comfortable. No, thanks. Looks like the chairs are falling apart. Suit yourself. Ginger tells me you've been pumping her about our little obed racket. Oh, nice going, Ginger. I thought you weren't going to tell your pal Todd we had a little talk. That's what I wanted you to think. Ginger would double-cross her own grandmother, but she knows better than to pull a fast one on me. Oh, that must be a comforting thought while it lasts. Okay, wise guy. What do you want? I want to size you up before I make you a proposition, Todd. What's the name? The name's Wilson. Steve Wilson. What's the proposition? It's a proposition that'll save you wearing out shoe leather, trying to make a living by rooking grief-stricken relatives out of their hard-earned cash, paying for junk watches no one ordered. Okay. So why is the racket? How come you forked over this 20 bucks? Because I expect to get it back. With interest. Yeah. Frisk this monkey, Ginger. Let's see if we can place him from what he's got on him. You won't find a gun. He said he never carried no gun, Mal. He's clean. Yes, remember what else I told you, Ginger? Yeah. Mal, you better go easy. He acts like a big-timer, and he's got a bodyguard that trailed us all the way here. Yeah, why don't you tell me that? I forgot. What else you forget? What is this, a frame? I'm just looking after myself, that's all. Oh, Ginger wouldn't double-cross you, Todd. You just finished saying so. You won't do it but once. Come on, Ginger, give out. What's the angles on this screwy setup? I don't know, and I don't much care. What did I ever get out of stringing along with a small-time punk like you? More than you ever got out of that five-a-day routine in that tank town burlesque. In a pig's eye. Anyway, I wasn't always ducking cops. Getting the bums rushed from the local hoods. I'm fed up. I've had enough, and I'm getting out while the getting's good. You better stick around, Ginger. Maybe Todd and I can make a deal and go places. Like nothing. I thought maybe you was somebody, but you let this tin horn push you around like he was a pig shot. Stay put, Ginger. You ain't taking a powder on me for this guy or anybody else. Like nothing, I ain't. I know when I've had enough. Don't unlock that door, Ginger. I told you, you'd never walk out on me. I heard you say it plenty of times. I meant it then, and I'm telling you now. Oh, don't be a fool, Todd. The chair's the payoff for trigger play. Shut up, Wilson. Come back here, sugar puss, or so help me, I'll let you have it. I'll tempt him, Red. He ain't got the nerve. So long, small time. Oh, and you two-timing little tramp. Duck, Ginger! I'll kill him! I'll kill him! Not shooting into the ceiling, you would! Okay, Todd. Sleep that one off. Are you all right, Red? Yeah, he missed me, and you're okay. I thought you was just another four-flusher, but you're okay, and you and me can really go places. Sorry, Ginger. Your cross and double cross has left you right where you started. Long ago. The cops. 
And you're one of them. No, no, Ginger. Just a newspaper man who doesn't like to see a lot of poor and distressed people being pushed around. Steve. Steve, you all right? I heard a couple of shots. Right as rain, Lorelei. Tell the law to come in and collect a couple of practitioners of one of the meanest rackets on the book. Well, they just pulled up outside. A... Well, how did you manage this, Steve? Hmm. I suppose this Dave is that bodyguard you was talking about. Uh-huh. But we're thinking of getting him a keeper any day now. Okay, Lorelei. Spare the rib. Get on the phone. Get the story to Fletch on the final. Right, Steve. The capture of this pair should help break up the obituary racket in Big Town. Yes, Lorelei. And serve as a warning to... Other migratory leeches preying on the helpless and the distressed. So ended another skirmish in the endless battle of the war on crime. Another win in the career of fighting Steve Wilson and his staff of the Illustrated Press. In tonight's dramatization, all names, times, and places are fictional, and any similarity to other names and places is purely coincidental. Big Town features Edward Pauley as Steve Wilson, Fran Carlin as Lorelei Kilburn, and was written and directed by Jerry McGill. And now, Big Town bids you good night until next Tuesday night, same time, same station, when you'll hear the newsboy calling... Extra, extra, hero, about it! The story of Steve Wilson and Big Town brought to you by Life Boy Health Soap, another fine lever product. Extra, extra. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And that's Big Town from September 21st, 1948, with a final payment starring Edward Pauley. Also in that cast, Fran Carlin and Ted Osborne, sponsored by Life Boy, which I wish you'd use. Oh, I'll have to get some right away. And Rinso. Uh, I could use a little Rinso too. Wash. Sure. You don't wash. You have people do that for you. You know your uh, laundry. You don't yeah, do laundry. Yeah, no, I, I don't do that myself. Please. No. <laughs> Are you kidding? Are you Lisa kidding? Doing laundry. I'd like you to do that and take a picture and just show it to me. Well, I wear You're the laundry, so, so that's 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 my that's my role. Is heard on NBC. Before we tune into part one of the Burns and Allen show, I want to remind all of our listeners about our cruise, Lisa. Oh, we have by one, then, all right. I will not have laryngitis. I'm I, sure. I'm thinking you should be fine by February. So, yeah. so we are going on a cruise in February, which is a perfect time. In the middle of winter, it's time to get out of Chicago, which is where we are, and go to the Caribbean. I can't think of a better place to go. It's going to be a Royal Caribbean cruise for one week, February 16th to the 23rd. We will be on Symphony of the Seas, which is the largest passenger cruise ship in the world. Yeah. Um, we are going to St. Martin and St. Thomas and the Bahamas, and we are going to have some classic radio reenactments and a cocktail hour and all sorts of great events that you can only participate in if you book this classic radio cruise through Kelly Cruises. Yeah, we want everybody listening to come with us to the Eastern Caribbean on 
February 16th. Right. Right. So check it out at kellycruises.com. Uh, you can go to their website or give them a call at 630-990-1111. They are wonderful there. They will help you plan the cruise and give you some information about this beautiful ship that we are going to be a part of. Again, the number is 630-990-1111. And we hope you'll sail away with us in February. Right. Or you could just go to our website, which is Hollywood360. Radio.com, and you'll see a pop-up. Just click that. It'll take you right to Kelly Cruz's website. All right, it's time for Burns and Allen. Now, on this show, Gracie wants George to be more romantic and court her all over again, which is not a bad idea. Yeah, girls like right? that, Carl. You can, yeah. Maybe you can get some pointers from this. Yeah, I'm going to listen very, very closely. Good. <laughs> I think you should, actually. All right, let's go back to September 28, 1949. For the Burns and Allen Show. Are you reducing tooth decay with Amident ammoniated toothpaste? Oh, answer him, George. Of course, Gracie. I use Amident twice a day. You can smile when you say that. Yes, it's the Amident Show, transcribed in Hollywood and starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. With yours truly, Bill Goodwin, B. Benaderet, Howard McNear, Hal March, Harry Lubin, and the Amadet Orchestra. For healthy laughter, it's George and Gracie. And for healthier teeth, for fewer cavities, it's Amadet Toothpaste. Since her return from Europe last week, Gracie has been the center of attraction among her neighbors. We find her now telling Blanche Morton all about Paris. Oh, Blanche, I adored Paris. It's so gay and romantic. Well, Gracie, it's sure good to see you. Or as the French would say, je suis enchanté. Is that what that means, good to see you? Uh-huh. Gee, I slapped 12 Frenchmen for saying that to me. <laughs> Tell me about those Frenchmen, Gracie. Are they really, you know... Oh, they sure are, Blanche. It must be fun there. Oh, yes. It's like being in a, in a country full of Bill Goodwins. <laughs> They're romantic, huh? Are they? If your husband isn't with you every minute, well. Oh, I'll bet George was fit to be tied. Yeah, I wish I'd thought of it. <laughs> Gracie, do those Frenchmen really eat snails? Oh, I, I don't think so, Blanche. They couldn't eat snails and work that fast. <laughs> Why, in France, even men in their 60s are romantic. Sexagenarians? Well, I wouldn't go that far, but they're romantic. <laughs> oh, gee, Blanche. I wish our husbands had some French blood. Yeah, or any other kind. <laughs> You know, George used to be very romantic when we were first married. Ha, that's husbands for you. During the honeymoon, they're so gallant, so dashing. But look how they wind up. I can't even wind George up. <laughs> Remember when your husband used to rush home from work and greet you with those three little words? Oh, George still greets me with three little words. What's for dinner? <laughs> Just like my Harry. First thing when he gets in the house, the lid comes off the pot. Oh, you're lucky. George leaves his hat on. 
I'll bet those Frenchmen aren't like that, are they, Gracie? Oh, no, Blanche. They're so charming and romantic. When you sit down to have dinner, they bow and kiss your hand. <laughs> Does George ever kiss your hand before dinner? With his appetite, I'd be afraid to let him try it. <laughs> yeah. If every year of marriage could only be like the first year. Mm-hmm. We ought to pass a law. A law that says a marriage license is only good for one year. <laughs> One year? Yeah. And then if a man wanted to keep his wife, he'd have to renew it, like a dog license. Uh, yes. But in order to renew it, he'd have to court his wife all over again, have a date with her, and ask her to marry him. Well, it's a fine idea, Gracie, but our husbands will never do it. They'll have to. I'll make it a law. The Taft-Gracie law. (laughs) What's Taft got to do with it? Nothing, but he's in all the laws. Well, Gracie, you can't force a man to be romantic. You've got to be subtle about it. Well, uh, do you think that would work on George? Well, sure. Now, look, did you buy a negligee in Paris? Yeah, well, a beautiful one, all black lace. Well, try that on George. Oh, Blanche, with his figure. <laughs> no, Gracie, you wear the negligee. Oh, that's a wonderful idea. Wait till George sees me in that negligee. Oh, George, I've been waiting for you. Look at me. Well, darling? What's for dinner? (laughs) George, is that all you have to say? No. I hope your Uncle John is going back to San Francisco. He keeps eating the pickles. And you know how I love a pickle before dinner. I'd better go and see if... No, 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 George, wait. What is it? Oh, look, my lips are puckered. Doesn't that give you an idea? You've been eating the pickles, too. (laughs) Oh, look at me. You haven't even noticed what I'm wearing. Oh, yeah. You better take that nightgown off. You'll get pickle juice on it. It's not a nightgown, it's a negligee. Well, here, slip on my coat, you'll freeze. George, all I need to keep me warm is a pair of arms. That's silly, take the whole coat. I'm going out to get a pickle. No, no, you're not. Why? Oh, you're going to court me. You're going to take me out on a date and ask me to marry you. You crazy or something? I did that 16 years ago. Well, I want you to do it again. What for? To put a little fire into your heart. Let me eat a pickle. That'll do it. (laughs) I I mean, the fire of romance. I want to recapture the thrill of our courtship. I want you to be the same dashing lover who swept me off my feet. Look, honey, there's a time for everything. I'm at the pickle age now. I only hope that they didn't uh, Well, well, well. Well, look who's here. Look who's here. Oh, hello, Uncle John. Oh, it's nice to see you two together. Oh, it's, oh, it's nice. What's doing? Well, I'm, uh, I'm trying to build a fire under George. Oh. Uh, what's a strange place for a man to get cold? <laughs> Gracie, would you leave the room for a moment? I want to talk to Uncle John alone. Well, that's fine. 
No romance for your wife, but the minute Uncle John walks in the room... Oh, go, 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 Oh, go, yeah, go. I can take a hint. Now, look, Uncle John, when I invited you to stay here last week, I thought you were our sponsor, the man who makes Amadon's toothpaste. Oh, but I'm not, I'm not. Oh, I, I wish I were. Oh, I love Amadon. Oh, it's so... It makes your teeth so... Oh, it's good, I tell you. <laughs> yes, well, we all like it. But getting back to you living here, there's an old saying, two is company and three is a crowd. Oh, that's a nice say. Oh, I like it. Oh, two's company and three is a... Oh, that's a Darby do. <laughs> Look, so one of us has to pack up and go to San Francisco. That would leave two. Yeah. Oh, but we'd miss you, George. <laughs> oh, we'd miss you a lot. Oh, we like you. Oh, even Mr. Purvis likes you. That's something else I want to talk to you about. Your friend, Mr. Purvis. Oh, he's a strong, rugged man, Mr. Purvis. He wakes up by himself in the morning. He sleeps in the park, you know. Yeah. I know he sleeps in the park, but he eats here. Every time I walk into the kitchen, he's eating. Oh, he's a proud man, Mr. Purvis. Oh, he's very proud. I tell him he can owe us for the food, but no, sir, no, sir. He refuses to owe any man. He insists we give it to him outright. Oh, yes, sir. oh he's proud. proud. He's a proud yes. man, Mr. Purvis. <laughs> He's neat, too. <laughs> yes, yes. Also, that reminds me, I must run out and get the latest paper for Mr. Purvis. Oh, he doesn't like to sleep under yesterday's paper. <laughs> well, I'll see you later. Yes. Gracie, you've got to tell your Uncle John to go back home. He and that Purvis are driving me nuts. There isn't one pickle left in that kitchen. Well, if certain people would be more romantic to certain people, then certain people wouldn't need their uncles around to keep certain people from getting lonesome. You mean if I go through with the second courtship business, you'll send them home? Certain people catch on very quickly. It's not hard when certain people hit them with a club. <laughs> what do I have to do? Well, we'll pretend we're single and you ask me for a date tonight. Okay. Uh... How about a date tonight? Oh, no, not like that. First, tell me you love me. I love you. You love me madly. I love you madly. Now, say it with feeling, like you meant it. I love you madly. <laughs> now, ask me for a date. How about a date tonight? How about a date tonight, darling? How about a date tonight, darling? Well, put some passion in it. How about a date tonight, darling? <laughs> now, let's hear the whole speech. I love you madly. How about a date tonight, darling? Sorry, I'm busy. You're, you're busy? Oh, no, no, I'm not really. I, I just said that so you think I was very popular. <laughs> now, don't forget, you're going to propose tonight. Just better get rid of your Uncle John. You... Oh, come in. Hi, Burns. Oh, hello, hello, Bill. Say, have you got any plans for tonight? Mm -hmm. Right, so, Bill, tonight is something I've been waiting for for 16 years. George is going to ask me to marry him. <laughs> to marry him? Mm. Impetuous little beaver, isn't he? <laughs> it's a gag, Bill. Gracie wants me to court her again. Oh. It's so silly. I courted her 16 years ago. But that courtship has grown cold. If you think that one's cold, wait till you get this one. <laughs> Switching networks didn't slow you down a bit, did it? George, I just had a sensational idea. We'll really make tonight's date just like old times. Bill, you can be Riley Jackson. Who's Riley Jackson? He was my rival for Gracie's hand. I guess you know who lost. 
Yeah, Gracie. <laughs> that you could have left with NBC. Oh, Ronnie Jackson was Mother's choice, Bill. He was the bartender, and every Saturday night when he came to call, he'd bring something for Mother. Really? What did he bring? Father. <laughs> They were each carrying a load. Now, come on, boys. You're rivals, and uh, you both want me to go out with you tonight. Stop rivaling. Okay. Well, go out with me, Gracie. We'll go to Sam's Delicatessen, where they've got great pickles. Go with me, Gracie. We'll go up on Mulholland Drive and park in the moonlight. I can do better than George with one hand tied behind me. Well, tie both hands, and I'll consider it. Well, all right. I'll take you to Ciro's, then. The Mocambo, Romanoff's, the Brown Derby. How about it? Well, where will you take me, George? You'll love Sam's pickles. <laughs> my, it's hard to decide. Oh, I'll tell you what. Each of you kiss me, and then I'll make my decision. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, no, no, that's, no, that's, George. That's the way it actually happened. And besides, you've got nothing to worry about. I picked you, and I can't change history. No. All right. Here's my kiss. And now you, Riley Jackson. Get ready, baby. George? What? Let's do this over again, and this time you'll be Riley Jackson and Bill will be George. Oh, That's the first portion of Burns and Allen. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time here on Hollywood 360, it's the conclusion to Burns and Allen from 1949. Then, William Conrad stars as U.S. Marshal Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.